Earlier in the year, I was in India. In fact, I missed one of these sessions, and one of our elders, Mari, took the session here. Now, when I was in India, I was very conscious that in that culture, there's a group that are in and a group that are out. And I think every culture has those, the in crowd and those on the margins. In India, this is based around the caste system. So those within a caste are privileged. They have better access to education, health and advancement. Where those outside the caste system, the untouchables, uh, the Dalits, they struggle. They have an extra hill to climb. Yeah, it's just harder for them to live. Untouchables is a derogatory term and it comes from the Hindu religious view that those on the outside are unclean. And even if you touch them or share a cup with them, you too become unclean. And so they call them the untouchables. And in many respects, the shepherds in Jesus' day were very similar. Shepherds, especially the hired shepherds, not to those who owned the sheep, but those who hired the shepherds, those shepherds were considered on the edge. They were social misfits. They were often accused of stealing, just like gypsies are in uh, Europe. They're on the outside, religious outcasts as well. Like India's untouchable, they were considered unclean and often the shepherds were unable to worship in the temple. They were very much on the fringes of respectable Jewish life. And so, here they are one night tending their flock. They don't have any dogs or or whistles, they don't have any motorbikes and no electric fences. So they have to keep an eye on the sheep even at night. And it was late probably one or two were drifting off to sleep. But all slumber was banished when a mighty angel appeared, a supernatural being. And dread fell upon the shepherds. Being told so often that they were misfits and on the outside, an appearance of a mighty angel must surely mean that they were under judgment and doom. But no, there is good news to these misfit shepherds verse 10 the angel said to them do not be afraid i bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today in the town of david a savior has been born to you he is the christ the lord there's a lot happening in the words of this angel so we'll just unpack these verses a little The first words of the angel is words of assurance and comfort. Do not be afraid. You see, the shepherds are not under God's judgment. Doom is not at hand for the shepherds. Tonight is the night of good news, wonderful news. There is a baby born. Now, at first glance, news of a newborn baby is no big news. Babies are born every night. And unless the baby's yours or you're connected to the baby, well, then it's no big news. It's it's lovely news, but it's not big news. However, this is no ordinary baby. The angel gives this baby three significant titles, titles to help us, to make us sit up and take notice. So what are the three titles that the angel proclaims over this wee baby? First of all, he is a saviour. He has come to save God's people. 
The second title is Christ, the anointed. Christ is Greek for the Hebrew word Messiah. This baby is a long-awaited Messiah who is prophesied to come and save God's people. So, Saviour and Christ are the first two titles, and the last title is The Lord. This wee baby is the one to whom every knee will bow and all allegiance will be pledged. Now, this is serious news. Saviour, Christ, and Lord. Who would have thought? And even the reference to the baby being born in Bethlehem is significant. Bethlehem was very close to where the shepherds were, and the Bible, the Old Testament, makes it very clear that the Messiah will come from Bethlehem, the town where King David was born. But with this proclamation, there are some surprises, some big surprises. In fact, there may even be two mistakes. Surely the angel has come to the wrong place and to the wrong people. You see, the most important people were just 10 kilometres down the road from Bethlehem in the capital city, the grand city of Jerusalem. A royal announcement should be made in the royal palace. And any messianic proclamation should be made in the holy temple. So the angel's GPS must be out. Not only this, but the angel should have gone to spec savers because he should have been talking to the king. The angel should have been proclaiming to the high priest. Surely he's got it wrong. The angel should be speaking to the insiders and not the outsiders. But there is no mistake, because this is God's way. It's the great reversal that God delights in I mean, Mary, when she was newly pregnant, spoke of this. In fact, she sang of this in Luke chapter 1. This is Mary saying, God has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. You see, Mary was no princess, yet she was carrying the royal baby. And the shepherd are no princes, but they are the first to hear the news. Yes, the coming of the great and powerful Messiah is all by being born to a peasant girl, pregnant out of marriage, and announced to misfit shepherds. This is very uncouth, but it's God's way. The Messiah will turn everything upside down, starting with a sign, and the sign is a In Luke chapter 2, verse 12, this is the angel still speaking, and the angel says, This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And it doesn't stop here. Even as that angel finishes speaking, the night sky is filled with a whole host of angels, and all glory breaks loose, because the hosts start to say, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people on whom his favour rests. And there's this glorious choir, angelic choir. And then suddenly as it began, it's all over. 
And as the eyes of the shepherds readjust to the night sky, and as the last echo of glory fades from the hills, the shepherds turn to each other, and in verse 15 they say, Let's go to Bethlehem and see these things that have happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurry off. And behold, there is the baby in a barn, wrapped in cloths, lying in a feeding trough, just as the angel had declared. And after spending time with the baby and Mary and Joseph, these excited shepherds could not help themselves. They went out and told all who'd listen the good news of glad tidings. Christ, the Messiah, was born. And then in verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And I bet the shepherds didn't sleep a wink. And there we have it. The oh-so-familiar story, the wonderful story, of the shepherds who first welcomed the baby Jesus on that very still Christmas morn. And God continues to turn things upside down. 2,000 years later, he still calls the misfits and the marginalized, those that are forgotten, even by their families. God still calls those people to himself. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 from verse 26, where Paul is talking to this church, and it applies to us as well. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things so that no one may boast before him. And I hope you're not too insulted, but that just describes you and me. None of us, in the biggest scheme of things, in the grand scheme of things, none of us are that important. None of us have the ear of the Prime Minister. None of us have two million followers on Instagram. Or maybe Fitty does. <laughs> but no, really, we're not really that, uh, we're not that influential, are we? None of us have royal blood coursing through our veins. We're just ordinary Kiwis. Yet God loves the ordinary. Even the manky shepherds God loves. Even the untouchables of India, especially the untouchables. And God loves the lonely and those that feel neglected. God loves those that are unemployed and on the edge. God loves those that find themselves in prison. God still loves those on the edges. And he loves those here in Cromwell and those in Rippenburn. And why does he love us, especially when we're no great shakes, especially since we're not special? He pours his love onto us so that no one can boast. That all those with humble hearts who come to Jesus may receive all his blessings and his grace. Our Heavenly Father calls you and I so that we may delight in being known by him and being loved by him. And it's all because Jesus came on that very first Christmas.
Let's pray.